Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Hey, welcome back. This is episode 13. I'm excited to be here with you all this week. And today we're going to be talking about performance, but in a different realm. So up to now, when you think about these first 12 episodes, we've looked a lot at performance from the perspective of process and systems. So how are you deploying your tools, your processes, your routines? How are they woven together into a system that's supposed to get you a certain outcome? And if you're conscious about it and you work on your system, then when you're inside your system, it should produce the kind of results that you're looking for. And you just keep working and working at it. And there's a continual improvement that comes with it. And most of us don't understand systems. We don't deploy them. We don't work inside of them, especially in organizations. So we don't get the outcome or the output that we're looking for. And so that's one place. When you think about performance, there's really two elements and one is problem-based. That's the one that we've been looking at. That one, you can certainly get massive bang for your buck. But I'm going to talk about something that's completely different here. Today, I'm going to talk about an element of performance that's more direction-based. Um, and it's a little bit different because up until now, what I've been describing, what I do, how I spend time with teams is really about trying to change the situation. So I might go in and change the process, clarify roles, you know, make the process speak, um, connect goals and and lead measures um, and deploying strategy in a certain in a certain way we're changing a current situation which is all about the content or the circumstance and what I want to offer today which is going to be fascinating I promise you and this is more of a leadership conversation is how do I change how the situation occurs that is what we're up to today so when you start to get into this realm woo sky's the limit so that's what we're up to today so buckle up so let's talk about this for a second. So I'm going to frame this as the context. The context matters. This is one of the most um, powerful places, I think, where we can have real change. So definitely sometimes the content needs to change, the circumstance needs to change, the situation needs to change. But when you can shift as a leader, whether you're a leader of your family or you're a leader of a team or a leader of an organization, like this is one place that mastery matters, and this is shifting the context. So if you think about the circumstance, that's what sits here in the foreground. This is what we're all looking at. This is what the obstacle is. This is the goal that we're after. This is what we're talking about. This is the project. Whatever you are dealing with, that's the circumstance. That's in the foreground. That's in front of us. The context is in the background. The context is how we are framing what's happening, whether we framed it explicitly or it happens to show up for us. And I'll tell you what, at any given moment, in every given situation, there's always a context. It's always there. So check it out. Maybe that um, it happens that you're working on something and the context that you're working on without even noticing it would be that this, this sucks. This is boring. Um, this doesn't matter. I'm in a meeting and this doesn't apply to me. Um, I'm with a group and, um, and I, I'm working on a team and I'm feeling like, uh, this isn't going to get anywhere. This team doesn't know what they're doing. Those are all, they might sound like thoughts, but these are 
context because they're not super explicit. They don't live in the front of our mind. They happen in the background. And they're constantly playing themselves out and, and informing how much we're going to contribute or not contribute. You know, for myself, sometimes I can enter in a situation and without even knowing it, I just feel tired. I feel like my energy's not there. And when that's happening, I can usually get a hint that my context around this isn't empowering, right? I might be in a situation and I feel like, oh, you know, this feels like work or it feels like I need to get through it or it feels like I need to just get this done or whatever. To me, those are all hints because I've paid enough, enough attention to what's going on that the context is at play in a way where it's not empowering. And so context is always at play, no matter what. The real question is, is the context empowering and uplifting or is the context um, disempowering and, and having you lose your sense of freedom, um, power, and self-expression. So that's what we're going to take a look at because when we're able to master creating the context, like we don't want the context to just show up. It will no matter what. Let's just That's just how our brains work. Our brains are wired to create meaning, and so it's going to do that. But when situations matter, if we can create the context, oh man, then we can make massive shifts, not just for ourselves, but for others. I'll give you some examples here. So one of the examples I usually give when I'm in front of folks is I hold up my finger, I hold up my index finger and I ask them, what number am I holding up? And they usually say one. And then I start pushing it up in the air and I ask, what direction am I pointing? And they say up. And then I might wiggle my index finger and I say, what body part am I wiggling? And they'll say a finger. Now, if you notice something, the circumstance never changed. I always had the same object in the air. What changed is what we said about it. So maybe it was a finger, maybe it was a number, maybe it was a body part. So that's what's really important here when I'm just trying to describe context is we have an ability to, to say and frame what is happening. And in doing so, it changes how we approach the situation because how we approach and use one, two, three is totally different than how I'm going to approach up or down or how I'm going to approach a body part. And I think this is really important. So let's take this example because I just wanted you to understand what I'm talking about and then put it to maybe um, what it might look like with a team. So I had an opportunity at some point in time about five years ago to go visit a number of different organizations. And I happened to be in manufacturing organizations at the time, just taking a look at what they were doing. And I visited um, a couple in particular. And I was out in Utah and we went into one factory and it was interesting you know, folks were motivated, you know, they seemed like they were doing what they needed to do to build their incentive. They felt like, you know, they were rocking around, you know, trying to get paid or doing a good job. But overall, like as we were walking through, you could tell that morale wasn't where it could be. And folks were doing things because um, A, they needed the paycheck and B, they just wanted to make the most of the day. Um, but it was obvious when you ask folks like, why are you here? Um, you know, if I ask 10 people why you're here, I get 10 different answers. And to me, that said a lot um, about the alignment people had to what they were doing, why they were doing it. And I'm not saying that that's bad. It just was information. And this information became even more poignant when I walked into the next factory. Now, the factory that I walked into, and these were similar, happened to be one that created airbags. Um, they are a killer organization. Their name is AutoLeave. They happen to be out of um, Ogden, Utah, and they happen to be an organization that was embarking in a journey, um, a specific kind of journey, to create a specific kind of alignment. And 
it was really interesting because they were maybe, uh, I think, two years into this journey. And it was a conscious one chosen by their leadership and a conscious one worked on hard. And when you ask folks, why are you working here? Why do you do what you do? If I asked about 10 people, and we asked that question to a number of people, I, I got almost the same answer every time. And at first I thought they were just setting us up. But then I realized there was something else happening. And what they said was, I'm here because I want to save lives. I'm here because we save lives. Now the mission, the vision of that company, the mission of that company happens to be we save lives. Like they created a generative vision, which I thought was really fascinating because they connected what they did creating airbags to, you know, the the mission that they were living, which is we're saving lives. And it just, it didn't matter what um, manufacturing cell I went into. They knew that if they didn't do their job, that folks' lives were on the line. And so they knew that what they were doing was saving lives. But it was more than that. It was really fascinating because when I started to talk to folks about, well, what does that mean to save lives? They didn't say we save other people's lives. We save lives? That was so generative that it was about saving other people's lives who were going to be on the other end of an airbag, whether it was saving lives so folks didn't have to worry about an airbag deploying. But here's what really got me. They talked about how the company was saving their lives. Um, by giving back to them. So they talked about the ways in which they were working on health and well-being and their lives were growing and their family lives were growing. They had brought in um, an on-site healthcare facility and said they were talking about how lives were being changed for themselves in terms of their own physical health. They talked about how uh, the company started giving them time to go out in the community and do things. So give back because a lot of them were connected to a lot of organizations. uh, And so they were getting matched and supported by their company so they could go out and make a healthier community, saving lives. So we save lives wasn't just some pithy statement like, hey, I make airbags, you know, duh, yeah, I'm going to save a life. For them, we save lives was huge. And that context, it just permeated everyone's um, results. It, you could see not just the results in terms of the targets because everything was visualized and you could see what they were actually creating in terms of their productivity and output, but you could see it in terms of the output of their energy and commitment, commitment to each other on that line and commitment back to their organization because the organization was committed to them. And the organization's commitment was that we save lives. And that wasn't just something that they said. It was something that they lived. It was fascinating. And what they had created was more than a vision. It was more than a mission. It was more than a, um, uh, a statement. This was creating a context. It was creating a framework for possibility. And I think that's really important to call out here because when the framework's done, there's no right or wrong way to do this because uh, we all create context. The, the real question is how well do we understand that they're there and how well can we master creating them, right? And when done well, as I've seen them, And when done well, when we create them, you know, here's a few things that make them powerful. A, they include everybody. And in that example I just gave, you could see it included everybody. It included the worker. It included the person next to them. It included their family. It included the community. It included the company. So it includes everybody. It implies no right way of doing things. So, and and it doesn't imply anything is wrong. It just is it's creating a future so there's not it's not that there's something lacking or something missing it's freestanding it's not having a better 
future or something that's you know in need of improvement it's creating um a possibility which was which was profound walked into a number of organizations and started to see the same thing happen um and i thought that that was really powerful to begin to see that the same pattern was happening over and over and over again i started to to really pay attention to this i was at another firm and at this firm there this was in japan and this particular company was called Aishin. And at Aishin, now, they make a number of things. The particular plant I was at made toilets. Now, I didn't expect a whole lot from this other than maybe learning something about how to, you know, really um, get deeper with, uh, you know, how to, to understand process improvement and how to understand um, the flow of materials and information and so forth. What I found was something completely different. So one of the contexts that they created and part of their vision um, came out this way. It's translated one team, best future. And when you asked folks, and at first, again, I thought this was just like faulty translation, but it happened over and over and over again in the toilet plant. When you asked them what that meant, people talked about like why they showed up every morning. And one team to them was this powerful thing to be side by side with somebody else. And the best future that they were interested in is that the person next to them be able to move on to whatever is next for them in their lives. And the best future for um, their family was something that they talked about. And they wanted the best future for the person next to them, but the, the person next to them's family. Like they were invested in this. They were really talking about how the company, the company, was invested in them growing as a leader because if they grew as a leader, then their family grew as a leader, then the community got better. I just was blown away. So this was the context that they were operating off under. Um, I've been in another one, another organization. And then again, for them, um, it was every person living healthy. Again, you can hear here, there's nothing wrong or missing. It's just um, what's possible. It was, it blew my mind. And so for me, like what I started to take away from all this and when I started to pay more attention to it, especially at an organizational level, is we're not talking about positive thinking. That's not what this is. We're not talking about coming up with statements and convincing people. What we're talking about is creating. That's totally different. They had to, in some way, shape or form, create create this context in a way where it was an invitation for others to step into. So then the question that I had to answer and do a lot of understanding and, and, and getting clear on is then how do you do that, right? And so that's what I want to talk a bit about here um, in the next few minutes because what I started to realize the more I asked was there were some specific things that were actually happening. So one of the things that we need to get good at then is understanding context. And this was explained to me as I asked lots of questions. You have to be able to see context in order to create it and master it. So you have to begin to see it in your life and you got to begin to see it in the organization. So it was explained to me this way by uh, uh, one of the leaders there. He said, imagine that we are standing in a room and there are three filing cabinets, one that's marked past, one that's marked present, and one that's marked future. Now, you know, you'd think that if you had files that were from the past, you would put them in the filing cabinet that was labeled the past. And he said, consider that all humans at some point in time in our past have made a serious filing error, that we take our files marked past, but we put them in the filing cabinet marked the future. Therefore, when we actually look into the future, what I'm actually seeing is the past. 
And he said, imagine the conversations that we have that went poorly in the past and what people say, they say it won't work or they won't listen um, or um, no one cares. Now he offered, can you get that that might not be very freeing, that in fact it's very limiting and certain possibilities are just not available to us? And I said, I get that. And then he went on to tell me, so little by little, the work that we're doing is taking files marked the past from the cabinet that's marked the future and we're placing them back where they belong into the past. And at some point, we want all of the files from the future marked past to go into the past. And what would be in the future cabinet now? And he just stared at me and I thought it was a rhetorical question. So I stand there looking like an idiot. And then um, it just dawned on me. He wanted me to say something. I said, um, nothing. I, you know, I was hoping I was right. And he's, he just looked at me and nodded. And then he said, right. And this leaves us with the future open for invention. Because what can you create with nothing? And it was really powerful because when he explained this to me, this was on three flip charts. And I really got that that flip chart had a whole bunch of the past on it that was marked future. And if we're trying to push positive thinking or new mottos or um, a new mission on top of a future where there's a whole bunch of hurt and a whole bunch of disappointment that's already sitting on there, it won't work. So you have to move those files off of that flip chart. You have to move those sticky notes that have, this won't work, or we've tried that off of the future and put it into the past. And that's really fascinating to me. So creating context isn't just about coming up with these slogans like, we save lives. It's about taking the time to remove some of what people might have put in the future that should belong in the past. And that's, that is not easy. So he explained to me that the first step based off that metaphor is sitting down. And that's where we go through our four questions. What are the pains that people are experiencing? So these are the four questions that you can hear more about in my second podcast episode. But what are the pains? What are the impacts? You know, how has that impacted you? What's painful about working here? What's painful about the process that you're dealing with? How does that impact you? How does it impact your performance, your engagement, your life? Now, this is the part that's very different for a leader because the leader then has to pause and own their role in it, whether their role was, I've, I was, I, you know what? This happened on my watch. I might not have contributed to it, but it happened on my watch. And then we get into what's the future that we want and what difference would that make? And it's at that moment where the leader and the staff and the associates get to acknowledge the future that they want together. And it's not until the leader begins to just acknowledge and be authentic about what had happened and their part in it that the associates can begin to let go and say, this was my part in it too. Because it's really fascinating. They described to me and got to watch some of these conversations happen where associates would then begin to own, okay, so my part in it was... I started to expect leaders to do this or that. And the moment the associates and staff started to do that, they were giving up their power. Some associates say, you know what? I have to admit that when we had meetings, I wouldn't speak up in the meeting. And then we'd leave the meeting and I'd gossip. And what I got from that was my sense of being right. I got to vent. But what I gave up was an ability for us to move forward together. Right. So all of a sudden, I don't know if I would call it healing. Like that was the word in my mind. And I don't want to say it. And I could tell that this leader was thinking that. But to them, there was about um, it was about and the word he used was completion. 
This was about moving some of the conversations that were present and placed in the future and putting them back into the past so that there's space in the future to create the kind of context that they wanted, right? So that's a really important part of all of this. And from that place, what's left to do is create. And I think that's what's exciting because there is no algorithm. There is no template. There is no ebook I can give you on that. That's just straight human passion and creativity to create the context that's appropriate for the future that folks want. And I've worked with a number of teams to begin to create those kind of contexts. That's not typically what's too hard. Now, again, walking through with them, what makes a strong context is really helpful. What folks really struggle with is being able to move and complete the past and move it from the future where it belongs into the past. And I think that's really powerful. So let me start with from a different place rather than trying to help you think about how to create the context, because I think you know how to create the possibility. You know, we've all created them. The possibility of, um, you know, this situation being connecting or this being curious or adventurous, um, this being an opportunity for us to create joy in the everyday. Um, this is an opportunity for us to, my favorite my favorite team-based context was home for dinner. It was completely out of left field, but the more that we sat with this team, the more that we came up with, rather than trying to come up with this slogan or goal, what was powerful for the team is home for dinner. Now, this team was made up of new moms, and so for them, being home for dinner was really important. And they liked potluck, so there was an amazing amount of depth to home for dinner. And if you listen to that, it's freestanding. There's nothing missing. There's uh, nothing wrong. There's nothing that we're trying to improve. It's what is and what it meant to them. So for them, home for dinner was a really powerful um a powerful uh, future to step into, that they could come to work and know that they could be home for dinner, um, that they could come to work and know that even work itself was a place that was almost like home, where every single person side by side was supporting them to get to the kind of goals that they had for themselves, whether the goal was trying to figure some stuff out with their kiddo or if their goal was to make sure that they were exercising. So there's context there that I think was really powerful. Be able to do this well, especially for leaders. One of the biggest things I have them do is take a look at where they're in danger of having a disempowering context. So I'm going to share that with you here last so that you have an idea of what it might look like. And I call this the danger zone. We all have this danger zone and you might notice it in yourself or in your team. I'm not worried about you noticing it in other people. What I want you to do is notice it in yourself. And so how the danger zone works is I want you to just, you know, spend two minutes after you're done listening to this podcast. What are the things that you typically say to yourself, whether you say them in your head or out loud, when you're getting ready to give up? So I want you to think about that. Like maybe you say things or maybe you think things like, I don't got time for this or I've had it or that's not fair or um, I'm over it or whatever. Or why me? Or maybe it's just shortened like why, right? Um, we, we have a million things that we say. I don't have, you know, like this is BS. Whatever it is that we say to ourselves, um, this doesn't matter. It, there's so many different versions of it. But we want to get good at listening to where it is that we're getting 
ready to give up. And the reason that's important and the reason why context matters is because when I started this whole conversation, I said that one of the things that we can do is change the circumstance. And I do have a lot to say about that. But one of the most powerful shifts in performance that folks can really take on is the shift in context. And the reason this is important is because this isn't positive thinking. So you can't just say, yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, everybody home for dinner. Yeah, we save lives. It doesn't work that way. Now, we talked about trying to remove and complete the past. But what's really important is noticing what happens to us despite having a powerful context. Your job as leader is to feed the context. You are the light socket. They are the lamp and the only way that they're going to shine is if they plug into you. You are that possibility. You are not Janet. You are not Larry. I am not Chris. Who we are is possibility. And the faster we can see that, the better. The problem is we forget that we're possibility and we give into some of what comes into our heads. And so the danger zone is all about listing out and being really quick at noticing when we're stepping outside of possibility because then we stop being effective. And so your job then is to almost be like a maestro, like an orchestra leader, and to keep the beat of possibility up. And the only way you can do that is if you notice in yourself where you give up. Because the minute you give up is the minute you need to notice what you need to complete in yourself so that you can see a powerful future. And I think that's really important. So I'm giving you that as a tip. You can do it for yourself. You can have your teams do it. And you can begin to have conversations about how frequently that shows up and what happens as a result. Because the next exercise is just even as more fun. Because once you have a better sense as to like what comes through your mind and where you give up, you want to begin to also list out like what do you do? Because that tells you a ton. Because what happened here is these things flash through your brain before you can even hear them. So for me, I know some of mine is I don't have time for this. You know, of course, like my thing is, of course, it happens to me. Like, why me? Of course, it happens to me. I don't have time for this. And how it plays itself out is I notice when I get more tired. I notice when I get more impatient. I know this when I put things off. Those are some of my three biggest tells that I've got a context that's not empowering. And then I can notice like, well, what am I saying right now? Like, oh, I just got to get through this. Oh my gosh, there it is, right? And there's the statement. And it's just at play and the context is playing in the background. So we want to see all of this. And I know some of us are like, you know what? I'm a can-do kind of person and I never stop pumping. That's that's awesome. You just got a funny version of what's going on in the background for you all. And again, this isn't positive thinking. This is having a brand new say and power over how we're seeing the situation. So, you know, I want you to think about like where you can begin to plug in some of this thinking and how it can begin to shift your perspective and mastery over your life, but how it can also begin to shift your teams. Because here's the deal. Systems, they remove pain points that can increase performance. But I I really want you to understand that systems don't necessarily remove the pain points, although they can, they, they, we can doctor them to remove some of the circumstantial pain points, but leaders, leaders actually are the ones that are running systems and leaders are the ones that are working on systems that remove the pain points that increase your power and leaders create the possibility and the future. And so a leader's ability depends on their ability to make other people powerful and 
the two places that we can kick some butt in is our ability to design systems to change circumstances and to get really strong at seeing and mastering context. So more to come here in the following weeks, but I'm excited to begin to kick off this place of thinking with you all. All right, all. That's all that I got for this week. This is all about mastering your context, mastering your universe, um, and being the kind of change that you are because I know that you all get out of bed because you want to make a difference in the world, but you sometimes get stuck just trying to make it work. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. So what we're going to do is just keep working on this together. If you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear from you in the show notes. You can find my website. You can always ping me. I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Drop me an email sometime. And you know what? I'll see you guys next week at episode 14.